When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, our whole makeup has changed. And if we, you know, have success at playing the small ball game, uh, we can really change the whole East. Hello, everyone, and welcome in to the very first episode of the Vigilant Sports Pacers podcast. I'm Scott Agnes of VigilantSports.com. And this this podcast, this is something that I've I've really been wanting to do for a while now. I've become quite fond of podcasts, finding that it's a, a great way to get specific info on a team, a great way to get a behind-the-scenes look at a team, and a really good way to get through a drive. We'll see uh, where this goes and what exactly it does turn into. I do have tons of ideas, but some of those require the cooperation of another person, etc. Uh, this podcast will be made available on iTunes and SoundCloud. Personally, I do enjoy the uh, the look and convenience of iTunes, but I know it's not best for everyone. And, of course, I'm open to your ideas and questions, so please keep them coming my way either by Twitter at Scott Agnes or email scott at vigilantsports.com. I know the Pacers organization incredibly well, having worked there for over a decade and now away from them, headed into my fourth season covering the team, the latter two for vigilantsports.com. Now, for this first podcast, it's going to be all me. I'm sorry, I know. A lot has happened over the off season, really the not-so-off-season, because the summer months are rarely quieter or even busier, it seems like, than the regular season. I know uh, from the fan standpoint, from you guys and what I hear from you and from page views, all of that, people really care about the unknown. They care about the what-if, what could happen. That's why July, that's why free agency uh, is so exciting both to watch and cover for the Pacers, it seems like they had a really good draft. Their two draft picks, Miles Turner and Joe Young, had an exceptional summer league. was just a little tease of what they may be able to uh, do eventually for the Pacers. Don't put too much stock into Summer League because you've seen it both ways. Guys dominate Summer League and then fizzle out when it comes to the regular season. And then other guys that just have terrible summer leagues, and then improve and play incredibly well throughout the regular season. Nonetheless, it was certainly a notable summer league in Orlando for both Miles Turner and Joe Young. Uh, Young out of Oregon led the entire league in Orlando in scoring, was exceptional. Miles Turner, who played fewer games, finished in third. Those guys are great. They've been around Indianapolis, around the Pacers facility all summer long, and when you're dealing with young guys, that's exactly what you want because when for an organization, you want your hands to be all around them as they get going and able to to nurture them and teach them the ways to be a true professional, especially a guy uh, like Miles Turner who's 19. Yeah, he's really young. He is also uh, mature beyond his years. It's a great interview, one of the most thoughtful interviews uh, on the team now. So I, I certainly look forward to interviewing him throughout the season. With these new guys, it takes, I say, at least three years, at least three years for you to get a quality indication of 
how good they are, how good they could be. To really, uh, it takes that long for them to um, get up to speed with the league, with the sets, with the traveling, the schedule, all those different things. So we got to give those guys time. I know Pacers president Larry Bird is excited to see what Miles Turner can probably do after the All Star break. That first, you know, forty five, fifty games, he's going to be learning on the fly. But after that. Bird is hoping that Turner can really get going and, and make even a more of a contribution after that time. Joe Young, I view as a guy that's going to probably be the third string point guard uh, after George Hill. Should he get in foul trouble? He get too tired out there? What have you? Uh, it seems more likely that they're going to bring in uh, Rodney Stuckey off the bench or slide C.J. Miles over. Heck, even Paul George could bring the ball up. See, with this Pacers team and and really in the NBA today, it's more positionless basketball and the way they're trying to push the floor, get up up and down the floor much quicker. Having a true point guard is less meaningful from that standpoint because they want to whip it up the floor and really get into a set or take advantage of numbers, what have you. Joe Young will play. I think he'll play and have a lot to prove here in this first few seasons, no doubt about that. More than anything, though, it uh, seems like Joe Young will be a guy that's going to be spot minutes here and there, maybe 10 per game. I talked about Miles Turner being a great interview. Well, Joe Young is an entertaining interview. He gives you something every time. Definitely a a unique guy, a fun guy to interview, at least that's my experience so far. I still remember his first in-person interview after being drafted in June, then back here at Bankers Life Fieldhouse. That's when he brought out about 10 minutes into an interview that he was Paul George's cousin. And after research, after looking into it more, talking to his fourth cousin, I found out, yes, and that is indeed true. Joe Young is Paul George's fifth cousin, so they are related. Rakeem Christmas now, he's a guy that the Pacers traded for, as I said, and I see him as a down-the-road guy. I think he's need to put on a little more weight, more muscle. I think he'd be a great candidate to go up north to Fort Wayne and play for the Mad Ants, which the Pacers just purchased uh, over this last offseason. I think Christmas would benefit greatly from some time in the D-League, some time in the weight room to really mature and grow his game. He's got a nice little jumper. He's also great around the hoop, great at blocking shots and, and putbacks. And what I think would be great for him, at least, would be a guy that's kind of like Dale Davis. That's what one person mentioned. Be a Dale Davis. Own the rebounds. Just dominate inside uh, as far as rebounds, putbacks. Make a name for yourself. Just don't be another guy. Be someone like him. Jeff Foster, Dale Davis. Those guys made a, a living, made a great living out of doing a handful of things really, really well. And like Turner, like Joe Young, Rakeem Christmas has been around the field house nearly all summer getting in work, working with the Pacers staff, working with his new teammates. Those are all very good signs for this Pacers team. After the draft, it was free agency, and the biggest thing the Pacers did was able to sign Monte Ellis. This is a guy that can uh, be counted on late in games. He's a guy that can just flat-out score, and that's a that's an area they really have struggled with. They struggled with last year, especially with Paul George out of the lineup. You can get it to him. He's going to penetrate, get to the line. He's going to space the floor even more so for everyone else. The thing that struck me when talking to him when he uh, came to town to sign was how he just set and emphasized really, hey, I'm a ball player. That's all I am. I talk to you guys, to you got you in the media and such because I have to. That's part of the job. But I'm a ball player. That's what I do. That's what I do best. And so he may not be the best interview. It may not be a guy 
you really get close to or really truly understand. But he's going to bring it night in and night out on the court. Also in free agency, the Pacers were able to re-sign Lavoy Allen. I like that move. Lavoy looking really trim at the uh, Pacers golf outing this past week. Definitely has that weight and that strength up top, but certainly no belly or anything uh, in the middle. So he was looking good ahead of training camp coming up. Then they also were able to sign Jordan Hill. That was with some of the money that they got after trading Roy Hibbert. They later traded for Chase Budinger. And uh, that was the move that sent away Damian Rudej. Definitely a guy I'm going to miss. Rudej was a good guy around here. Top three-point shooter on the team throughout the entire season. But uh, him after his rookie year, the team sent away up to Minnesota. And then they also uh, signed a couple other pieces. Tony Douglas to a partially guaranteed deal. Then they signed C.J. Fair to a training camp deal. Oh, and of course, they signed Glenn Robinson the third. Him, like Christmas, I see as a guy that's probably going to see time up in Fort Wayne, and it'll help him. So we briefly hit on the draft. We hit on free agency. But there were two other key items, two huge items that happened because of the Pacers this offseason. First, their plans to build a new practice facility. It's going to be called the St. Vincent Center. And man, it is going to be special. It's going to be highlighted by two practice courts that'll be just right there. The building will be on the east side of Delaware Street adjacent to Bankers Life Fieldhouse, east of Bankers Life Fieldhouse. Two practice courts, all kinds of offices, all the Pacers staff, not just basketball staff, the marketing, sales, the front office, they will all move over there. Just about everyone but a few people in facilities. They will all move over there. Uh, The training staff will have their rooms right next to the court. So an injury happens. If they're working on a guy, they can all do it right there on the court. Um, There's been a number of people involved in the planning, organization, um, discussions of this, what they're trying to get out of it, what all they, they want, and what would make it a favorable building for them. I know the weight room is going to be huge, much more fitting to a professional team. I mean, I know I've been down to IU. That locker room's ridiculous compared to the the Pacers, where if they want to add something, they have to remove something. It's as simple as that. Now they have space to expand. Now with an assistant strength coach on board um, that they added last year, that just opens things up even more for more personalized time. More one-on-one work and and anything you can do to give these players, give teams an advantage, you're going to do. And so that's what the St. Vincent Center is all about. A great sponsor that has come on board with Ralph Reef and company over at St. Vincent's. It'll be cool to see that. It's expected to uh, be completed by early 2017 is what they first uh, are hoping to have accomplished there. So that will be fun to to get going. And then the Pacers completed the purchase of a D-League team. They bought the Fort Wayne Mad Ants up north, just two two hours up there, a trip uh, that became familiar to guys like Miles Plumley, Orlando Johnson. Um, Solomon Hill made one trip up there. Shane Winnington made a couple this past year. That's uh, an exciting move for this Indiana Pacers team as now they own their own team. They have full say over everything. GM, which they hired, who will then make the hire of coach. Um, basically, been hired. It just hasn't been announced. And then, of course, what sets are run. That's that's a big thing with purchasing a team is the flexibility, the the way to own what the team does. Because that was an issue when guys were sent there. When a guy like Solomon Hill was sent there, 
he didn't play much, and he was unhappy about that. That's why he came back, ultimately. Solomon Hill did not have a good experience there. He showed up, guy that hadn't been around the team. He didn't know the sets, didn't know the personnel. Of course, the Mad Ants were trying to win, and so he was an auxiliary piece. He was an extra piece. He was not a focal point. He was not a guy that they gave specific time to because they had to and ever featured him by any means. But that's now what it can be. Sure, the coaching staff was going to be uh, running the offenses and the defenses that the Pacers run to make it easier to move players back and forth. Pacers front office say they expect to be up there to to visit and scout and make sure the program's running well and also told some Pacers personnel in the offices, the marketing sales, will go up there and try to get things going a little bit more and still some of their principles and things that have worked that have been successful and trying to just ramp up uh, things going not basketball-wise off of the court. So uh, that's a, a, an interesting endeavor and a, and a move that's they had to make. Um, it's only a matter of time, probably another three years by then, that every team is going to own their own D-League team. Because right now, it's really not a great system to develop players as much as like the, the minor league baseball programs and such where you guys get called up. It's not really like that, but they want it to be like that. And for those that want to work in basketball, I've talked with Kevin Pritchard and I've seen him um, discuss this elsewhere. Working in D-League, working in the minor leagues is what he suggests because that's where you get great hands-on experience doing everything. As a guy up there, you're in charge of so many things. The coach may be in charge of uniforms and, and things like that, maybe the travel schedule. Well, you get to the pros, you get to the NBA level, and you have a person, an equipment manager. Many teams have two. You have a couple of trainers. It's just it's a whole different ball game. But if you want to learn firsthand what things are like and what it takes to work at an elite level, get your hands dirty in the minor leagues. And the Pacers are going to play a game up there, albeit just preseason. They'll wrap up their exhibition play on October 22nd up in Fort Wayne at the Allen County War Memorial Coliseum against the Charlotte Hornets. A chance to see Cody Zeller and also a place where Pacer fans can check out the arena, get a glimpse of the, the Mad Ants facility. And get in, check out the Pacers for D-League prices. That's what they are uh, selling tickets for. Those tickets are on sale. So that's a nice little tie-in that they are doing, allowing Fort Wayne fans to get taste of NBA action. You know, I, I told them I'm open for a change. Um, I'm not. I wasn't extremely <laughs> thrilled about it uh, when it first you know, presented it to me. Um, but the way the league is going and... Um, you know, my playing style, I, I think I can fit right into it. We'll see how it goes during camp, whether I'm comfortable with it or not. Then we'll just make that decision from there. When did he first present it to you? They told me it uh, towards the end of the season, kind of exit meeting material. Um, going into the summer was to get my mind wrapped around it. Uh, it's, it's, it's not what I came in the league as. Um, I don't think I'm at that point in my career where you know, I should be changing position. I think guys do that later in their career. Um, when they put on weight and um, are lacking, um, you know, physical attributes um, as far as like being quick, I'm still all of that. Um, so I don't necessarily feel the needs to play a different position, uh, especially coming back into, uh, you know, the, a new season starting, you know, fresh again. So it's it's a change. It's definitely a change, and uh, we'll see how how it goes. And those were Paul George's comments from the Pacers' annual golf outing that took place this past week 
uh, at the Brickyard Crossing. It was a fabulous day and turned out to be a great event raising money for the Pacers Foundation. But those comments, those got attention, particularly here locally, as uh, Paul George is very hesitant about a possible uh, move to the power forward position. My sense is Larry Bird's all for it. He's all in. The Pacers president just wants to see it happen, and uh, that's what he's been hoping for since, say, last April. Pacers coach Frank Vogel seems to be in on it, but uh, also a bit hesitant perhaps himself because, he's number one, he's got to get wins, and number two, he wants to get the most out of his star player. And if his star player uh, isn't all in on this, that's even more difficult to do. And then Paul, Paul himself, as I said, he's just hesitant. He's reluctant about this. He, I, first of all, I appreciate his candidness. I appreciate him being honest and straightforward about his thoughts because sometimes players feel they shouldn't be honest about it or they're told by PR, hey, let's go the company line or let's not make a big deal out of it. The season's about to get started. It's the last thing we need, but no, Paul Paul was straightforward in every interview he did. He he basically said, I'm not thrilled about it. In this one, as you heard, he said, I wasn't extremely thrilled about it when Bird first presented it to me. And still, five, six months later, he's still not comfortable with it. And I totally get why. I honestly get it. I really do. There's a number of factors going into it, and I I documented them on my site, VigilantSports.com, if you did not see that story. Number one, it's his first full season back from injury. It's crazy, right? I mean, he's just getting back to his first full season. He played six games to end the year. That was his request. He wanted to get some more time in before uh, the offseason because otherwise he wouldn't have that mental aspect. Now he says everything's physical uh, for him to get back after it. It's physical, not mental. And so after being robbed of a season, he just wants to get back after it and back where he's comfortable. Where he's comfortable is on that three spot, that small forward spot where he's an outstanding defender, wants to be a defensive player of the year along with MVP. First, it starts at the defensive end. Remember, Coach Vogel constantly praising him for being one of the best two-way players, if not the best in the league. That's at that position. Things change. Things are totally different at power forward. Although I will say, if you think about a handful of the teams, if the Pacers, when they play New York, Paul's surely going to guard Carmelo. And when they play Cleveland, he'll surely match up against LeBron James. So those uh, aren't too affected. Uh, When you play a team like Memphis, there's no way I can see him matching up against Zach Randolph. That'd be a terrible matchup. You just can't see it. The main positive out of all this, guys, the main positive that Larry Bird likes about it is Paul on the offensive end. He should be able to dominate. He should have his way. He has the athletic ability, the speed, the finesse, the outside shot. It would space the court even more. That's all the pros that he wants to see. Paul, he likes being that that three-man. He likes being on the wing, using his athleticness to be a shutdown guy of the guards or forward, whomever it may be that's having a strong game. And then uh, playing that four spot doesn't have the weight to just grind and bang inside the post. That's where he added up in the, in the quotes earlier you heard. I don't think I'm at the point in my career where I should be changing positions. Wow, like that's, that's a solid statement, straightforward statement. I talked to Paul and mentioned that Larry Bird made the change. He goes, yeah, but I think Larry was much later in his career at that point. And he's right. Paul's still a very young player, just 25 years old. Come opening night on October 28th in Toronto, 
he's hoping ultimately that he stays more in his position and that it's spot minutes. Um, this whole thing really got started in July at Summer League where Larry Bird talked with NBA TV and, and told them that he wanted to see Paul play a lot of minutes at the power forward spot. I then asked Paul about that a few weeks later at his basketball camp in Avon. He kind of laughed and goes, man, I, I think it's more spot minutes. I think it's more spot minutes, not a lot of minutes. Then I go back to Larry and ask him after free agencies, and he go, that's where the old quote that some outlets love to run with, he don't make the decisions around here is what it was. Well, yeah, of course he doesn't. It's kind of important to know where your player, your star player stands, a player that wants to get back to being an MVP candidate, back in that MVP conversation, because you need him to be all in, because any hesitancy is not good. One other reason he's hesitant, I think, about it, there are so many new moving parts on this Pacers basketball team. They have so many new players, the three players through the draft, the the number of guys they've added through free agency, taking 17 different guys to camp, and so many new parts. Gone is Roy Hibbert, his last line of protection on defense. Gone is David West. Paul's not only the face of the team, now he's got to take more of a leadership role. He's got to help guys gel together. Chemistry is going to be a big issue. So with so many new moving parts, with with coming back from an injury, with moving positions, which is a change. We don't like change. We just don't. All those different things are why Paul is hesitant about changing the position. All those quotes weren't that too surprising to me. This one was. I hope a lot. <laughs> I hope, uh, you know, my happiness comes first in, in, in this whole ordeal. Um but, you know, again, I'm, I'm not someone that's going to change a locker room up or kill a locker room. I'm open to it. Um, so we'll, we just I just want to see how it goes. I hope a lot of say in this. Yeah, you should have some say, absolutely. But how much say? Well, number one, Larry Bird, he, he runs the Pacers organization. He fires the shots. Then it's Frank Vogel who plays guys and puts a winning product in the best position to succeed. Paul's happiness obviously is a factor, but come first? No, winning comes first. Being successful, building towards the future, and having a successful organization. Those are all the first things um, that come to mind with an organization and what this team um, needs to be about. The other thing I got a chuckle out of was he said the whole ordeal. Yeah, it's kind of turned into a whole ordeal, unfortunately. It's going to be a storyline. It's going to be talked about in probably every one of his media interviews until that position and where he plays kind of gets settled, which honestly probably won't be until a couple months into the season, maybe December. We'll just have to see. And for the last segment of this podcast, I want to focus on storylines. Storylines headed into this new 2015-16 season. Media day is Monday, followed by training camp on Tuesday. They'll get rounds of two-a-days and then really get going. The first preseason game is on Saturday, 7 p.m. at Bankers Life Fieldhouse against the New Orleans Pelicans. But until then... These are some of the storylines, guys, that I'll be tracking as we get started here. First and foremost, with so many new parts, just the team chemistry and togetherness. Togetherness has always been a a thing that's really been emphasized by Frank Vogel coach teams, and they've had tight locker rooms for the most part. The guys have been on the same page. Guys have been together. Is that going to continue? That's one thing I'm really getting after. More to that, and point number two, who plays well together? We've seen in the past a really strong core of starters a couple years ago is what I'm really talking about. 
Well, who, who mixes well? Is C.J. Miles better off the bench? Does Stucky remain in that sixth-man role? Who plays well together uh, will be critical moving forward with just so many new parts added to the mix. Another key line I'll be watching, of course, is Paul George's health. He played six games last season. He's 14-plus months removed from that compound fracture injury that happened on August the 1st, uh, over a year ago now. He had those two calf strains. Do either of those flare up? He says he's 100% now. Teammates say he's looking back to normal. But does he play that way? Does he have any hesitancy? Uh, does it take him time to gain confidence or to get it back? Or maybe this isn't an issue whatsoever. That new position is another thing. Is the power forward idea of him playing that spot going to stick? I'm also curious where Monte Ellis fits in with this team, how he plays, how he responds to teammates. Does he have any kind of leadership role? Is it an easy transition for him to join this team? And does he make those big differences that myself and others think he will, particularly when you need, the team needs buckets, when they need points at the end of the game? The battle at the center spot really intrigues me. No doubt about that. Is it Jan Mahimi? Is it Jordan Hill? Is it the rookie Miles Turner? Uh, does Lavoy Allen or Shane Winnington get any playing time? And if they do, is any of that at the center spot? Uh, most likely, it'll be Jan Mahimi at least to start. Uh, with Miles Turner, I think so much of it depends on how he comes along and how he looks in camp and preseason. I would be shocked if Miles Turner, the rookie, started on opening night. The offense, we've heard so much throughout this offseason. I haven't touched on it actually throughout this entire podcast, but one of the big points stressed by Larry Bird by Frank Vogel is that they want to score six to eight more points per game this season. They want to play a little faster, get into the offense quicker, and therefore kind of match what the the theme of the NBA is where it is going, playing faster, a little quicker tempo. It's a style of play I think teams prefer. You look at Golden State and how they play. They do have bigs that they mix in, but they also play very fast, and it's a fun show to watch. There's been some basketball this past year, for instance, with the Pacers. That was just really boring. This will also help to solve that. I talked about Miles Turner at center. How about the other rookies just in general? Which one of them shows out first? I would guess it's going to be Joe Young. There may be more opportunity for him. But with Miles Turner, Joe Young, probably not Rakeem Christmas, but he's certainly in the fold. Just which of those rookies make an impression? And it may not be on the court. Off the court is one of them really uh, impressing. That's what I'm curious about. Go back to the starting point guard position in George Hill. Which George Hill shows up this year? Do the Pacers get the George Hill of last year? That was aggressive. That sold his real estate on the perimeter where he just stood around during the 2014-15 season. He said he's uh, got rid of that real estate, if you will, and that he's a much better player. I think this past season made him a better player, made him a more confident player. He got back to his roots of scoring, hitting the open shot. He was the guy for so many games there with George Hill. How does he play this season with all the new moving parts as well? And also, who plays behind him? I think I have that figured out, but you just don't know. Pacers look to bring 17 guys to camp, 15 fully guaranteed contracts. Tony Douglas has a partially guaranteed contract. And then C.J. Fair, he's back for his second consecutive training camp with the Indiana Pacers. Still a very raw talent, a long athletic wing 
I certainly see Fort Wade Mad Ants in his future. That's where he played 50 games last season, talking about fair. Um, did not crack an NBA regular season roster. I think Pacers are bringing him for another look and uh, basing that off his potential. And also, you need another body in training camp, and he's a, a good guy. He'll be the second Syracuse guy in camp along with rookie Rakeem Christmas. Last but not least, another huge key point will be injuries. I know I don't have to remind you, but I will anyway. Last year, they were ridiculously bad in this department. 219 games missed in total, Uh, 76 of those, of course, being Paul George, but they had 219 games missed, including 14 different starting lineups. I mean, it's just so hard to play and play uh, winning basketball when you don't know who's going to be on the court each game and who's going to be at full strength. Remember, C.J. Miles had so many issues throughout the year. He had those big issues at the beginning of the season. Um, He had guys like David West, C.J. Watson, George Hill, all missed early time uh, with injuries. You go back a couple years ago, they missed just 69 games in total and had the fewest starting lineups overall, just five of them. They need to stay healthy, be healthy. Uh, I know it's something you can't really predict or, or foresee coming. They've prepared themselves. The Pacers have an excellent training staff. That bodes well for them, but injuries must be under control this year. All right, I love this time of year. The season's just about here. Media day Monday, training camp on Tuesday. By the end of the week, there'll be game film from a preseason game. Hoops is coming back, y'all. I love it. Good news. I know we're all anxious to see Paul George back on the floor, see what this new look Pacers are all about. Uh, Other storylines, you got Hickory uniforms. Pacers filmed a new video intro on the roof of Virginia Avenue Garage. That was Friday evening. I'm curious to see how that looks at the first regular game of the season. Uh, Of course, this year you'll have Roy Hibbert coming back and David West. They both are now with the Lakers and Spurs, respectively. I know Lance is a couple years removed, but just to see what works and what doesn't for him out in L.A. with the Clippers. After the college football season, there will be Saturday night basketball NBA games. That's terrific. Terrific. Pacers play zero four games in five nights uh, this year. That's very good for this team. So yeah, the season's here. I love it. First preseason game coming up Saturday, October 3rd. Bankers Life Fieldhouse. I know I'm going to get this question a lot, so I'll try to answer it. Paul George, I think, will be on a minute count through the preseason, but come the regular season, uh, none of that. We shall see lots of these questions, storylines that we'll continue to be tracking here on the Vigilant Sports Pacers podcast and, of course, on Twitter, active on there. If you're still listening, I truly appreciate it. Stay with me as I hope for bigger and better things uh, each week here. And if you have a comment or question, don't hesitate. Send it my way at Scott Agnes on Twitter and Scott at VigilantSports.com for your emails. Keep up to date on Twitter and online at VigilantSports.com. This is the first episode of the Vigilant Sports Pacers podcast. I hope that you enjoyed. Have a great week, everybody.